Welcome to the second part of our Contributors and Guests year-end special. Yes, picking up from where we left off a mega show, I'm sure you'll all agree, here are some more people and their views on what was good about 2019. Clearly, Boris Johnson isn't one of them. Recently, Deck popped in to talk to us about what to watch over Christmas. That's show 68 for those who want to track it down. And and that's one off Neil's favourite number. (laughs) We couldn't let that opportunity pass without talking to him about his films of the year. Here's what Deck had to say. Okay, as we continue with our top films of the year, let's talk to Deck. And Deck has a rather interesting top 10 for us. How are you doing, Deck? I'm doing really well, thank you, guys. Excellent. Do you have a good Christmas? I did, thank you very much. Excellent. So, let's take it in reverse order and a bit of mystery. So, what's number 10? (laughs) Number 10 is Us. Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele, that's right. Neil and I really enjoyed this. Thought yeah. it was great, yeah. Groundbreaking oh, well, I'm stuff. I'm glad you liked yeah. it so well, much, as it's based on the Jeff wouldn't flaming, watch it. <laughs> as it's based on the Twilight Zone episode, I'm amazed you didn't go no, see it. I, Neil, I can understand. I saw the trailer and that scared the living daylights out of me. It was good, the first half especially. I think it was one of the good highlight horrors of the year. That whole sequence when they're in the house and they're faced with the doppelgangers was very unmoving. It was very good. Excellent. Good choice. I mean, because Jordan Peele's now, funnily enough, we talked Twilight Zone there, he's now doing a Twilight Zone series in the States. I don't know when we get it over here. I'll be very interested to see where he goes now because he's setting himself up almost as that connoisseur, if you like, of horror, sci-fi hybrids. Hopefully he'll try something different as well. I'd quite like to see him try a different genre, see how he gets on. Because he's obviously a very creative, very inventive director, so he's not afraid of trying different things. Both Us and Get Out were very unusual, not your standard thing. How did Us compare to Get Out for you? Scarier in some ways, but not as complete a film, I don't think. I preferred Get Out as in over the whole length of the film, but I preferred Us in the first half, if that makes sense, especially yep. as you say with the doppelgangers. I yeah, really, no, was, it, I really the, did like that. The setup of the mystery was superb. Okay, excellent choice. Number nine. Number nine is Ready or Not, which oh, I absolutely loved. Oh, it's wonderful film. I want to see it again. I really yeah. want to see uh, it again. It's just so funny. It's so good. It's it's extremely gory, yet extremely funny. It is funny. You guys would be able to watch oh, yeah, it. Yeah, sure. no, Honestly, no, no, it's no, no, not. No. It's looking forward to seeing that one, I think. You're, it's you're not, just taking it's the not best frightening. Field, but you would enjoy no, it. I will. It's yeah. not frightening. It is hilarious. And and actually, if you, you know, if you, I know this is my top 10, but if you had to say to me, what was my number one biggest surprise? It would be this. I would be close with that. And that last line she comes out with is one of the classic cinema last lines. Darren said the same thing, hasn't he? He yeah. said, yeah. It's- but she's great. She was really good in Three Billboards, and she's great in this. And what I, what I love about her character as well is, I know with the with the hashtag Me Too movement, there's been a lot of you know strong female roles, but a lot of them feel forced. They feel not genuine. They feel like they're done because of the movement. I feel with this, her character is just spot on. She's not over-egging it. She's just trying to survive, and does it brilliantly and it's just yeah it's fantastic she's margot robbie's sister isn't she she's she's very like her if you look at the trailer it looks like a standard horror film you're watching it and you think actually this is genuinely funny yeah it is laugh out loud funny number eight uh in a similar theme actually it's zombies and, com- and comedy this time so it's the dead don't die i found myself again i think you guys could watch this it's not frightening it is just hilarious it's not a spoof it's not as much it's very dry 
almost like a Fargo type dry humor set in a zombie thing. So that's in Jim Jarmus directed. That's it? right. Yep, and it stars Adam Driver, Bill uh, Murray. Bill Murray. That's the one I was trying to think of. Yep. Tilda Swinton plays an amazing uh, ninja style zombie killer, which is just something to uh, you so, have to watch it to believe it. So is it a send up or is it? A serious. I mean, well, with like, those actors, you would think it would be a send-up. It, it, well, that's what I mean. It sort of is, but it isn't. Like, a bit much like Fargo. You know, if you watch an episode of Fargo, it is a sort of send-up, but it's not a spoof. It's like no. serious, but it is almost very dryly taking the mickey out of, and it is a bit like that. In that it's sort of very, you know, how are we going to get out of this situation? There's too many of them sort of thing. And there's a bit when they're stuck in a hardware store and they're surrounded by chainsaws and everything but it doesn't work out how, as you imagine it to it doesn't go quite as you'd expect but yeah they've taken elements of previous films but i just found it very dry uh, very witty interesting okay and my next two uh i don't know if either i don't know if any of you have seen them but they're both foreign language so the first one is burning which was uh i think it's korean if i remember rightly yeah, and i found it quite fascinating and haunting and it sort of stay it still stays with me i wouldn't say it's enthralling and gripping a lot of people would get bored watching it. I found it fascinating. It's a real reflection on the divide of between rich and poor in the Korean society. Very, very big divide. There's an element of murder mystery as well. There's an element of uh, of like a sort of who done it rumbling along in the background. But a lot of it is about he's from a sort of the poor side and he meets up with someone from the rich side and it's a completely different world. Beautifully shot. There's some amazing cinematography in it. And I just found it really stuck with me. Both these, my next one did as well, but this, it really stuck with me. And, and again, I want to watch it again. I take it your next one was... The next one is those. Shoplifters, which I know was only just in 2019, but it was. Yeah. I wept, I laughed. I just thought it was fantastic. So this is the Japanese film about where they're yeah. outside of the law, but they rationalise their life and then they adopt a, a, a young child to fit in with them. Is that the one? Yeah, they live. Where they live is just, it's like a, it's not much more than a tent. It's sort of like a gap between two houses that they've sort of turned into this thing, but they make it their home. It proves to, I mean, everyone should watch this in some ways because it proves to you, however little you've got, if you've got family and you've got a tight network, you can survive and you can make a life of yourself that is actually, I mean, it's bad because of the, but it, you know, you can make the best of it. And I think it's brilliant. And I think it's a real, we shouldn't moan about things when we've got so much. And yet, you know, these people have got very little and they make the most of it, you know, and, and they get pleasure from things like a fresh orange. You know, they manage to get a, an orange, they steal it from a shop or something. And it's to them, it's like, wow. An orange and it's, oh, it's just like, it's just brilliant and it's just lovely. And, and again, it's really well filmed and I know it was well received as well. And yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's, it's, it's winning awards hands down, isn't it? Yeah. Any of you guys seen it? No, no, it's top of my list. I really want to go and see it. So that was my numbers 10 to six. Wow. Top five then. At number five is The Irishman. So I saw this with two of you guys, didn't I? Yep, it's yep. at the Rose Theatre at the premiere. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's now obviously available on Netflix, but I recommend you try and see it on a big screen if you can. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a long film, but you don't notice it too much. It doesn't drag. I just like the way filmed it from starting at the end and then they sort of, you you had the clips back with the forwards. And I, I don't know, I, I just quite liked it. I, I mean, a lot of people have been moaning that um, De Niro hasn't been nominated in the Globes, but I actually think, Pacino and Pesci were, for me, the two better actors. I mean, De Niro doesn't do anything wrong, but I think they they stood out. But 
Um, I just liked the things like the little conversations that go on about the timekeeping and the, 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 you're turning up late. And, and to me, I just love that sort of thing. I mean, it is a bit of a greatest hits of Scorsese. You can see elements of all his previous films, but then that's what you'd expect. You know, he's got a backlog of work now. He's, he's obviously going to go back to what he likes. And so it comes across. So absolutely loved it. A friend of mine really wants to see this film. So we're allocating um, pretty much most of a day, you know, watch half of it, have an Italian lunch, and then go back and watch the second <laughs> half. Really get into it. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go and beat someone up. Yeah, yeah. 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 Go down to the local yeah. grocery shop and yeah. beat the owner up. Throw the gun into the river. I paint houses. No, but uh, as Graham said to me, you know, it's got all my greatest hits in it and um, I'm going to be blown away by this film. So I am yes. really, really looking forward to it. Okay. And then down to number four. So at number four, I've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I love this film. I love Tarantino films and this is up there. I, I just thought it was brilliant. I don't know what more. Because I thought Brad Pitt was very good. And again, I think he deserves his nomination. Really cool film, really stylish, really cool. Now, what's interesting, you're a lot younger than we are. And, and one of the things we all picked up when we watched it, the whole Western theme, you know, there's, there's a lot of TV Westerns that we know that we grew up with or our parents were watching. There's a huge nostalgia for that sort of thing with it. How did that work for you? Well, there was no nostalgia for me because obviously I don't remember any of it. No, exactly. So there there was no nostalgia for me. I didn't, it was just more, it was just cool and it was interesting. It was finding out about that era a bit more because obviously I had no knowledge of the TV at the time. I just think he's a really cool director. One of the good things about this, personally, I have certain reservations about it, which we'll go on when we talk about our top 10 as it's in there. But what I do like about this film is that it's an intelligent, I would say epic because it's quite long and and the way it deals with its time period. And it came out in the middle of the summer and it was a massive hit. Nobody could believe Tarantino had lost his comfort blanket of the Weinsteins that had gone. He had to go find another studio. They initially wanted to cut back the budget. He still persuaded them. He got a $100 million budget out for this. And he still makes big profit for them. Uh, And that I thought was really good. It'll be interesting to see what his 10th film is. And if he then retires. Whether he does do sci-fi or not. Don't know. Sci-fi. Mm, it's the only thing he hasn't done. Into the top three. So at number three, um, and Jeff has mentioned this on a previous podcast, is The Guilty. Yes. Absolutely film. loved this film. I know Jeff's asked you two to watch it and it is on Netflix. Netflix but, on Netflix, yeah. Uh, Have I you ref- seen it, guys? Get uh, in, come on. Getting the time to watch. And it's, actually, well, it's only a short film. It's uh, not very long. It's only, it's not much. It's only just over an hour, isn't it? It's not very long. As you mentioned before, Jeff, it's brilliant. It's just, yeah. it's a really tight script. It's all just filmed pretty much in one location. With one person, With one person, pretty much, and a voice on the other end of the phone. Um, but the tension is ramped up. You sit there and your stomach is just, you're, it's like yeah. you hold your breath for 90 <laughs> minutes or less than 90 minutes, but you can't find any fault with it at all. No, no I agree. It's like Locke on steroids. And Locke was the Tom Hardy film where it was just him in the car but they've taken that concept of one guy on a phone and just taken it to a whole other level. Very well acted, clever twists, great story. It's a character study. Mm. You know, you, you've got a plot going on around this person that's really clever, really complicated, and it's got twists, but it's essentially this person, how he reacts and how he puts his own life in order mm. by the events that are happening to him. Really, really well done. Uh, down to the final two. So, 
Number two is one that, again, I don't know if any of you guys have seen. And again, it was really early in 2019. It was in my number one for a long, long time. And you'll understand why when you hear what number one is. But it was Capernaum. It's a young lad in Lebanon who, uh, similar to shoplifters, you know, he sort of lives off the street and everything. He's sort of adopted a bit by a, I think she's a cleaner. I can't remember now exactly. I saw it so long ago. But the thing about it is it's, it's beautiful and it's moving. And it again, similar to shoplifters, I think everyone should watch a film like this to make them realise that we live in a beautiful world. We, we are all capable of kindness. We need to understand where we are in the world and, and how everything around us can be beautiful and can be loving. And how you know, this little, this lad, I don't know how old he was, who, who played the part, he was fantastic. You know, he was fantastic. He had to look after the, the mother of this child gets sort of taken away. I'm not giving away too much, but um, he has to look after this baby. And so there's him and he's only, he's tiny. He must only be about eight. And he's looking after this baby and he's pulling him around in like a thing he finds, a cart because he got, that he finds in the street. Oh, it's just brilliant. It's just moving and it's just wow. fantastic. The whole moral of the story as well is he, he takes his parents to court. Um, so it's based on a true story. This is the amazing thing. It's based on a true story. He takes his parents to court because he says that they're guilty of bringing him into the world. They know before he's come into the world that he's going to have a shocking, you know, existence. So he's basically sort of suing them or, or trying to do them for having him. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but it's based on a true story. This is the thing that made, that put it at number two more than anything is even though the other films are all amazing, this is based on a true story. And I looked it up and it is, and it is phenomenal. You said about the look of the film, is that the cinematography? Yeah, the cinematography, you know, the streets, the streets of Lebanon and everything. It was actually filmed in Beirut and other places as well. And of course, if you think about those sort of places, they're, they're war-torn, you know, yeah. they're, they're, and again, the light, a lot of it will be shot, you know, at sunset or, or, you know, sunrise. And I think in countries like that, the light in some ways is probably better captured on film, isn't it? It has a, that much, sort of dust. Much drier and, atmosphere, yeah. 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 And just fantastic. And, and he absolutely, the, the actor who plays the role, absolutely makes it so believable, so realistic. It's, yeah, Well, brilliant. quick question for fact finder, Neil, who's the director? I think it's a female director. I actually think, if I remember rightly, is it a female director? director? Uh, Nadine Labaki. Yeah, it's a female director. director. Yeah. Yes. And I think she's she's done... She's only done a few. Yeah, I think she's done another quite... Rio, I love you. Where do you... Where do we go now? And Caramel, with about three, four years in between each one. She was born in Beirut, 1974. She'd have had to overcome a lot of obstacles to do that. So, full credit. Yep. Very credit. Yeah, okay, it's it's a new one on me, definitely one that I want to check out now. Deck mentioned it a year ago. Yeah. I did. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I wrote it down. Yeah, going, oh, and no, I, have, I must really must watch this. And I Deck forget what I had for breakfast about. this morning. So, you know. <laughs> okay, so let's come drum roll and what's number 1? Number 1 is Joker. So, <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love this film. Absolutely. And I know yeah, I know you guys have spoken about it a lot already. Just blown away by it. I think one of the reasons I was blown away about it and one of the reasons it sort of comes higher than other films that I enjoyed is I wasn't expecting it to be anywhere Not near as good. All. So my expectation levels were low. And wow, what a brilliant character study of of a nutcase that's 
you know, and he's not a new character at all. We all know Joker. We all we all know, and yet well, we it, all thought yeah, we knew. But it, yeah. it brought something new to the whole. I mean, how can you bring oh, something new to something Joker. that's been done but, so but, many times? But you're assuming it's the Joker. Yeah. It's called. Joker. I know, I know, but uh, you know what I mean. It's it, we've all seen various yeah, actors play yeah, their no, 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 their yeah, type yeah. of thing of Joker, and I know it wasn't the Joker, but we all know we've all got that. We've all been brought yeah. up in that era, and um, and we all knew it was something or hinted at it was but i just thought and phoenix's performance was absolutely phenomenal it's it's a brilliant film without shadow of a doubt you know from the director of the hangover films that is what makes it more bizarre but unbelievable but i think for me and this is where mainstream cinema takes risks the, the key sequence in that film for me is when he's in costume dancing down the steps to rock and roll part two yeah and and all that, the connotations. All the, all the anarchic connotations of using that piece of music. It annoyed the Daily Mail, which made me love it that even should. more. Um, <laughs> but, but it's the whole a thing of, of honor. Yeah, you know, yeah. he is taking something that now means something just chilling and evil and, and does a brilliant job with it. Do you think so, it was deliberate? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. That has, he, has he mentioned it? Has he spoken about I've it? I've not seen any interviews. I've not been looking for them, but he must have known. But it plays perfectly with that character. And, you know, if I had to pick scenes that for me were top scenes of the year, that would be the one. Because I just sat there open mouth thinking, this is really audacious in what is essentially a comic strip film. I also think the timing, the timing is it is of the moment. Even though it's set you know, in the early 80s. January 82. 82, That's thank you. sad life is. I yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> it, it is very much of the time. Some of the scenes you see, you could take off the news today. today yeah. And it is, and so it, it adds an element of frightening as well. It, it makes you think, oh my gosh, this something like this could happen so easily and is close to happening. And it, so it adds, your, it adds an extra level of tension and fear when you're watching it. But we haven't spoken yet about, again, the masterstroke. Uh, Wyakin Phoenix, who's just amazing. He's brilliant. I mean, his film last year was in my top 10 as well, which you would never really hear. Yeah, that was in my and top And his five. performance in that was phenomenal as well. And I finally got to watch that one. It is brilliant, isn't it? It yeah. is. It is fantastic. But he even topped that, I think, with Joker. He even topped the performance in that. Uh, I mean, that laugh. Oh, my goodness. I don't know whether it just came first time or whether he practised it, but it just sent shivers through my spine. And... It could have so easily, with the wrong actor and the wrong person, not worked. Something like that, someone just laugh. It could have... Well, like Suicide Squad. Yeah, it, it could have taken away any of the tension. It could have ruined it. It could have made it, like, silly when it wasn't. But it... it oh, it's just brilliant. And, and the makeup and it's just everything. I thought, you know, the the way he twisted his body and everything, and his limbs just and just almost like... Almost, almost spider-like. Yeah. Really, really yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminded me a bit of um, The Fly in, in, in the sense of... How he how he looks. I hadn't made that comparison. No, it's only when you mentioned it, it then that yeah, I thought about I it. But that. and it was almost like that, like he was transforming, wasn't it? It's like he was one minute yeah. he was the weak, and the next minute he was strong. And you know, when he was in his outfit, he yeah. was a different person. And um, but hopefully, it's opened the door to writers and other people that have a slightly different view, and it might get made now. Because I always worry with you know with the film system studios that a lot of writers, a lot of script people say, oh, "I don't want that." It's you know, make it more like. Marvel or make it more like the ones that have been before. So maybe people don't, maybe it'll open the door to a few more unusual scripts and slightly different takes. Which... And, and that'll be fine. I just feel it'll open the door to more bloody Marvel nonsense. <laughs> 
So I look forward to you, your guys' top 10 now. Excellent. So, Okay, so before we finish, what was your biggest disappointment of the year? I think because I was really excited, because I the trailer sort of made me even more excited, um, and because of the cast and the actors involved, I think Stan and Ollie, it was still high up on my list. It just didn't do as much as I wanted it to. And I suppose that's it. I went in with probably too much expectation. I did enjoy it. Still a good film. I'd still recommend people watch it. But I went into it really excited. And that's sometimes that's the worst thing to do with a film because it's never going to meet your expectations. And I just think this one probably disappointed me more. Um, another one that disappointed me was Pain and Glory. For really? different, yeah, for a different I reason. That one, that was and my I know, number one. And I and I and I heard your review before I watched it, which probably <sighs> put me in an even more excited mood. Um, sorry, sorry, Neil. Um, and, and again, it was a good film, and I'd recommend people watch it. I'm not saying the neither of these films are bad films; they're still high up on my lists. But I just had so much expectation. Yeah, Dick, thank you very much for your top ten. Some great movies there. Some I've yet to check out, and hopefully we can get Graham and Neil to watch Ready or Not. So, Definitely. Uh, Definitely. thank you very much. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you guys. And yeah. uh, look yeah, forward to the next Carry On Streaming. Thank you, Deck. I look forward to more Carry On Streaming during the year ahead. Let's go to our next contributor. Time for me to introduce a family member and a big fan of the show. Over to you, Nick. Hi, Nick. How are you doing? Uh, hello, how are you? Uh, I'm probably getting more sleep at night than you are, I would suspect. Uh, I would wager that's true. <laughs> when are you coming over? On the 23rd, we are catching a flight. And they arrived morning of the 24th. Right, correct. Um, it's the overnight from Atlanta to London direct with a six-week-old baby on an eight-hour flight. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong. <laughs> Don't know why everybody makes a fuss about it when I mention it. You know those heist movies where they go, yep, this is the plan, yeah, we've got yeah. it down. And then or it a all... man on a mission movie <laughs> where they say, right, this will go like clockwork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good to see you're escaping a country with a deranged leader for, oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go for this then. How's your yeah, film sir. going? You're been? Well, since I heard that I was going to be asked what my top five of the year was, it forced me to go and look up a list of the movies of 2019 because I honestly don't know what year it is anymore. <laughs> and I came out with two lists, my top five with an honorable mention and a list of movies that I still really need to see, which is actually much longer than I thought it would be. All right. So on that second list, movies you really need to see, what are your top two? The Irishman, yeah. and as of my friend's last review on it, Knives Out. So let's go for your top five then. What's at number five? Top five, number five would be my required documentary slot, which is American Factory. What's that one about? American Factory is about a factory in the United States Midwest that was an automobile factory which closed down, which is not uncommon in the area, and was purchased by a Chinese company called Fuyao to make automotive glass. So windshields, windows, that type of work. And about the massive changes that happen when a Chinese company operates a formerly American factory. Now I'm fascinated by this. What are the main changes? 
Uh, treatment of workers is a huge thing. The Chinese government owns large Chinese corporations, and there's no two ways about it. Uh, so they have literally no reason to treat workers as an asset any more than you would treat a hammer as an asset. If the hammer breaks, you'd go get another hammer. If the worker is unfit, unwell, or unwilling to work for an amount of money, okay, we'll just go get another one. And that's not how American labor works. I was going to say, and surely there must be laws stopping them doing that in the States? There are labor laws, but at will work, which at will working states means um, you can be fired and hired at the discretion of the company without any really specific reasoning. The thing that gets around that, of course, is unionizing. Every American in the country has the right to call a union vote which requires the company hear it. As part of the plot of this film develops, you see them start to call the union vote and the Chinese company having to deal with the fact that their workers in the U.S. want to unionize and how much money this is going to cost them and threatening to shut down the factory after only a year of operation. And it's huge, huge clash of culture film. I definitely recommend anybody watch. So what platform is this on? Is this in the cinema or did you watch it on Netflix or? Netflix. Netflix oh. in the U.S. And I'm not sure how well it's permeated to international market. Uh, that's really interesting. Back in 1986, there was a Michael Keaton film called Gung Ho, which is about Japanese taking over American car. I have also country. seen that, and it's fantastic. Yeah. I thought Gung Ho, as you say, is a great film. I'm really interested now to see how this culture's changed, and obviously this is a documentary and not a fiction that Gung Ho is. I mean, there are big glaring differences between the way people work in the United States versus the way people work in China. A Chinese worker would get one weekend off a month possibly. Um, <laughs> wow. The company will say, you are relocating to the United States for two years to get this factory started. And they can't say anything to it because it's their job to do so. So they go to the United States when they have a one-year-old and a three-year-old back in Shanghai or wherever and live in the United States for two years with no reason to go back or no capability of going back. What was its name again? American Factory. American Factory. Right, that is well on my list. Thank you very much for that. What have you got for us at number four? Number four, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> a small indie flick from an unknown director. No, never heard of it. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is is interesting, and, and it's drawn a wide range of views on it, I would say. What was it about the film you liked? I like Tarantino's filmmaking style. I wouldn't go all out and call myself a Quentin Tarantino fan because I've seen maybe less than half of his actual catalog of films, but I always enjoy how he frames a shot, how his actors respond to their characters, the chemistry that he creates between them, and of course the dialogue that they have. Yeah. The dialogue can just eat you alive, almost make you forget what's going on around them because you're so interested in what they have to say to each other because they tend to act so human, whereas other characters in other films can be so one-dimensional. Well, what are your thoughts on the revisionist nature of the end of the film where he changes history? Not unlike what he did in Inglorious Bastards, mm -hmm. which 
It's a movie. I know the story about what happened. I do think it's an interesting take. And I think that if anybody was going to say, well, this is how I would have done it, Quentin Tarantino's the perfect director to do so. I love his take on it. I think it's actually fascinating. One of the things for us, and we're a lot older than you, is that reflection on the Western TV culture at the end of the 60s, which was huge. It has special meaning for us because that's how we grew up. What did it mean, you know, that sort of culture mean to you? Well, luckily, I was watching it with a person who was much more versed in that culture than I was, which was Graham. (laughs) Probably 15 to 20 references that went flying over my head because I just wasn't around for it. And though I do appreciate film, I'm not as much of a buff to have the information available to me to know what the culture was like back then. And apparently these characters talk about things that were old at the time of the filming of this movie. And that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So they go all the way back. Like the dialogue between the characters are talking about movies that happened even farther back than the seventies, back to the sixties and fifties and forties. And I mean, when you have characters set in a movie from over 30 years ago, reminiscing about things that happened 10 to 15 years prior to that, you either have to be really dedicated to the craft or have been there to fully appreciate the reference. I'd just like to point out I wasn't around in the 40s. (laughs) (laughs) Only just. Yeah, right. (laughs) Bloody hell. Thanks. Maybe Neil was. (laughs) Neil definitely would be. (laughs) He's going to kill us when he hears this. Number three was... Hotel Mumbai. Oh, oh. Yes. yes. Brilliant. You pay for the whole seat. You only need the edge. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, where do you see that one, if you don't mind me asking? I actually saw this at my home. Right. In the UK, so, it went straight to one of our satellite services. But for, I was fortunate enough to see that it was picked up in a local film festival. So I got to see it in the cinema. And you're absolutely right. You were on the edge of your seat all the way through. It reminded me a lot of United 93. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. The difference between this and United 93 for me is, I hate to admit this, but I knew almost nothing of the attack on the hotel in Mumbai or the attack on Mumbai that day. I had almost no information. So I actually went into this movie not knowing how heavy it was going to be at all. Mm. My wife recommended it. And we just, you know, spur of the moment, oh, let's throw this on. I thought it was going to be just a movie about a really nice, fancy hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah, yeah. Type of place you want to go and to I on holiday. Never, yeah, yeah, let's I go there. I never experienced more anxiety in my life than the second half of this movie as it developed. Yeah. And uh, naturally, since we were at home, my wife eventually pulls out her phone and starts looking up what actually happened and she tells me that this this is almost entirely true to form and exactly the way things turned out made me even more anxious because true stories don't end well commonly i didn't know who's going to perish in this movie and it it really takes the rug out from under you there's a moment in this film which i try and be circumspect around because for people who haven't seen it i don't want to spoil it they've got a number of prisoners in the room and one of the prisoners looks like they're going to escape. And you think, here we go. This is it. You know, 
It's all been about yeah. the Indians in this. Now you're going to get the white guy comes out and he's going to save the day. And right, within, the Hollywood moment. Exactly. And within seconds, they dispel that. They destroy that moment. And I thought, right. yeah, you just don't know where this is going to go now. That's. Um, I think I actually remember thinking to myself, like, this is one of those true stories <laughs> yeah. where uh, it actually worked out the way that had been planned. Yeah. And, and the anger that I felt when you realize that the people behind this attack were never prosecuted. And the way that they were instructing these people to just, well, you know, they're a Muslim. Well, they shouldn't be there. Just kill them anyway. It's sick justification that is common in the eyes of terrorists. And it's absolutely, they have very flexible logic when it comes to committing acts of terror. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was high in my personal top five as well. Brilliant, brilliant film. So we're on the top two now then. Number two. Number two, Avengers Endgame. (laughs) This is Jeff's night of torture. Now, I'm not an audio expert, but I could have swore I just heard his eyes rolling. (laughs) You did. did. Other people have rated this. I I use the word film loosely. uh, Highly as well. Um, (laughs) Go on. Why did you like this one then? It's hard for me to explain how satisfying watching a culmination of 11 films actually finish and for me not to hate it. So that gave it a whole lot of points just right out of the gate. It's following up what is essentially a better movie, which was Avengers Infinity War. There I do agree with you. I, I thought Infinity War was really good. Because for me, what you need in an action movie is a compelling antagonist. Your villain must be compelling. And in Infinity War, Thanos was the most compelling villain ever because he felt completely correct and justified. He was a zealot. He was certifiably insane, but he was also unshakable in his resolve. Eventually, about three quarters of the way through the movie, or for some folks at the very end of the movie, you learn that that movie was actually about him. At the end, he wins. Like, that's it's his hero's journey. And you feel very much like you've you've been thrown into a van at the end of that movie because you're like, wait a minute, this isn't fair. This isn't the, my hero movie. I love how that movie shook me. And then the resolution to that, obviously, I just, I'm, I'm very, very relieved and happy that it wasn't terrible. But also, it's one of the only movies that lasts three hours that I have seen more than one time. Is that for a bet? No, <laughs> cheap job, cheap job. A lot of people rate this one of the top film magazines in the UK. Places as number one as well. And this is what I like about film is that we all have different perspectives on on, on these things. You know, sort of. Um, that's why I never ask people. You know, what's your worst film? It's what's your most disappointing film? Because nobody sets out to make a bad film. They set out to do the best work that they can. The fact it means so many different things to different people is great. And you can have discussions on it. Yeah, like you, I I think Infinity Wars is a brilliant setup. I just thought the payoff, to me, was laboured and didn't work. Now, Graham agrees with you you that this is a great film. I, I wish I'd seen that film. I just didn't. No, oh, no, I won't that's... drag you through that film any longer. No, than you no, need that's it. great. Yeah, no, that's 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 really good. I got some cocaine, so I'm going to be fine in a minute. Um, <laughs> what's your top film, Nick? Uh, El Camino. Oh wow! 
I was the, not the, expecting that. No, ah, that's unique. It, so. that, In fact, I've never yeah. seen Breaking Bad. So why should I watch Breaking Bad? That's because he's a oh, luddite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I can tell you exactly why you should watch Breaking Bad, because just as I said about action films, this is a drama series, and the characters are so very compelling that you start to develop emotional attachment. And before the series makes its halfway point, you start to learn who the heroes and who the villains are. And it takes a whole lot of, a whole lot out of real life when things aren't as black and white as heroes and villains, where there's a whole lot of shades of gray and a whole lot of people just doing what they need to do and what they feel is right. And you might not agree with it. Some characters might not agree with those characters, but they are going to carry on anyway. You get to see this unfold before your eyes. And El Camino finishes the series out beautifully by maintaining the exact same theming and feel of the series while managing to make an entire feature-length film and have its own natural resolution. If my understanding of this is right, it's tying up one character who is very much at a loose end in the series. Is that right? Yes, not to give too many spoilers away, but there is a moment in the last episode of Breaking Bad where one character is just seen fleeing. That's the last thing you get is that they have fled the entire world of the show. And everybody imagines, oh, they got away scot-free and things are great now. That's just your imagination because the show hasn't told you. El Camino expands upon that and shows you, okay, this is actually what happened to him. So without giving the game away, and you followed the whole series of Breaking Bad, is that film a satisfactory resolution? Absolutely. 100%. Yep. I'd agree with that entirely. I loved it. I love the fact that, it, you know, the last thing we saw was that character disappearing off into the distance, and then this film picks up 10 seconds later. Right in that scene. Yeah. Bang. Off we go. And you know exactly what's happened to him, but there are lots of little flashbacks to things you knew happened, but they hadn't seen in detail. It's not fan service, really, but there is a lot of stuff in there for the fans. Wonderfully done. And the ending and the imaginary character who appears in the ending when he's driving along in the car, it's just like, oh man, that's just completes another story arc. Because that character, the last time you saw that character, was at a point in Breaking Bad where you realize one of the characters who you thought was just trying to get ahead and trying to make his way, you think, oh shit, they're completely evil. And that's the big switch in the film. And that person appears again at the very end. And I thought it was beautifully put together. Beautifully put together. I completely agree with everything there. And it makes you wonder in the production, since they wrapped the last episode and started the film in the same scene, same camera shot, same moment, if they knew at the end of that, when everybody was packing up to leave, hold on, folks, we have to film a movie now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What what is the time difference in in our real time between the end of Breaking Bad and this film? Is it a couple of years? Oh, it had to be years. Had to be at least two years, maybe three. Yeah. I do have a honorable mention out of my top five. Okay, let's go for that. Yep. Star Wars Episode Nine because I'm going to reserve a spot for it. <laughs> Ahead See, of time. Now, most people 
have caveated the fact that they haven't seen all the films of the year. They think Star Wars could be great. Some think Cats could be great. Well, okay, just me. But oh, um, and, and and Emma, yeah. Uh, Emma, yeah, Emma thought yeah, thought yeah. Cats would be great. Yeah. So yeah, and it opens the same day as Star Wars. I'm worried for Star Wars's box office. To be quite honest, I you think, think cats, cats could take all that money. Yeah. People would go, Cats, Star Wars. It's got to be Cats. It's gee whiz. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, Jeff. Well, yeah, don't want to disappoint you, break yeah, your okay. your Christmas dream. But Nick, okay. Well, thank you very much for your films of the year. Safe travels when you come yep. to the UK. Of course. Thank you for having me. And uh, while I'm there, we should grab a pint. I can just drop off the kid with his grandparents. So, <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, and excellent <laughs> idea, Nick. And on that note, yeah. I, will, um, I will see you soon. And uh, have a great Christmas and a happy new year. Right, you too. Thank you so much. Cheers, Bye. Nick. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Nick. Jeff, would you like to introduce our next contributor? It's been an absolute pleasure this year to work with Elijah, who brings a fresh perspective to his film watching, especially the classics. But what has Elijah rated in the newer movies released? Let's find out. Hi, and welcome to Elijah, a regular contributor on our show, who's going to walk us through his five top films for 2019. OK, Elijah, how are you? I'm doing all right. Good, good. A little sleep deprived as usual. Oh. <laughs> what else is new, right? Hey, situation normal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so before we get into your your top fives, what was your biggest disappointment of the year? <sighs> biggest disappointment. Oh wow. I think most of the films that I've seen this year that had like these great raving reviews kind of just piddled out for me. I, I didn't care for any of the, the comic book films that came out this year. So that's a, an entire genre you you are disappointed in. <laughs> so come on, yeah. comic book movies, try harder. All the Marvel films, it's just it's it's a TV show on on the big screen. So not cinematic at all, then. It's cinematic. It's the big screen spectacle that cinema is made for. At this point, the storytelling isn't what I like to see. I should say. Okay. It's not that it's bad. It's just it's not my my thing. And is is that just? story or is it plotting or is it just it doesn't grab you the the idea that the series is never ending and it's the more goes on the more plot holes and inconsistencies and character problems the world itself begins to unravel the longer it goes and it's, it's that with all of them essentially that's a problem with the comics that's why they're constantly rebooting things and having parallel universes and killing off characters just because things get so complicated and so interwoven that they really yeah. just don't know how to get out of it. So they just say, right, everything stops and we start again. Yay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, as a comic book fan, I always look forward to those moments. Yeah, terrible. There's so many films I haven't seen this year. Almost everything that's come out in the past four months in theaters, I haven't been able to get out and see. Well, let's talk about the ones you have seen. So let's start with number five. What's your fifth favorite film of 2019? I want to start with my animated film of the year, uh, How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World. Oh. Absolutely love that film. And I'm writing that one down again because I missed that. I saw the other two and I thought they were hysterically funny. The, the first one in particular I thought was great. Is this a trilogy that actually finishes properly? 
it really sells the arc of Hiccup and Toothless. And it's a story, you know, that I started watching. <laughs> it shows how young I am. But it came out when I was in high school. You know, the uh, the second one came out the weekend I got married. And uh, <laughs> I actually went and saw it for my bachelor party because we're, we're, we're that kind of excited group, a crazy group, I should say. Okay. Yeah. That was uh, that was as crazy as we got that night. Wow. <laughs> you guys know how to party hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, mini golf and how to train your dragon. Yeah, this one wraps up the trilogy really, really well. The music is some of the best compositions that have come out this year that I've heard. John Powell really outdid himself with the score. The visuals are just incredible there's nothing like them in the animated film industry the cgi animated film industry yeah you can tell that roger deakins was uh really consulted for some of the the shots that they they get and there's so much beauty and life in the characters and in the world that they create it's not a perfect film there's like a central villain and there's side villains and the side villains don't really amount to much at all and there are parts that feel a little awkward at first but the more i've watched it the more I enjoy it. We've had a lot of animated films in people's top fives. We've had quite a few people go with some Ardman animation, the Shaun the Sheep movie and things like that. Really is resurging quite strongly. I think because you've, you've now got lots of different animation styles around. You've got the Leica stuff with the stop motion animation. Oh, their stuff is gorgeous. Oh, yeah, it's stunning. Uh, Box Trolls. Cubo and the Two Strings still like... Oh, yes. It yeah. took me so long to wrap my head around the fact that it's not CGI. Yes, <laughs> it's that good, yeah, I know. Yeah, they've, uh, they've come a long way from just little plaster scene models, yes. It's astonishing. The way they get the lighting on the characters and the the motion it's so much more fluid now than it used to be yes i come a long way for bray harryhausen yeah okay that's number five i can't wait now what's number four um the peanut butter falcon oh right okay this is the second time the peanut butter falcon has turned up in people's top five and guess what none of the team has seen it on all of our lists now to see. This is about a, a young Down Syndrome boy who wants to be a wrestler. He's a 22-year-old Down Syndrome man who's living in a, in a rest home in Louisiana. And he wants to be a wrestler, go to this wrestling school. And so he escapes and gets <laughs> through you know a series of comedic events, ends up on Shia LaBeouf's boat. <laughs> and As you do. It's, uh, it's just a beautiful sweet film that is hysterical and you know heart-wrenching it's wonderful absolutely wonderful and a weird yeah, title with, yeah yeah it's, <laughs> it's a weird title but it makes sense in the film okay i'll trust and you on that uh, one <laughs> it's great when i finished watching with my wife i just was kind of awestruck at just how wonderful it was uh, a real feel-good film then yes absolutely and shia labeouf is incredible the Down syndrome actor, he's just great. The chemistry between him and Shia LaBeouf is wonderful. Okay. All right. Given that a double tick on my list of things to see, which after we've had, you know, so many people give us their top films of the year, it's getting quite extensive. There's been, it seems to have been, it's, it's funny. We've do, we, we do this all year and we try and go and see as many films as 
we can. We get to the end of the year and people are coming up with films that we haven't seen left, right and centre. And it's just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And there's a couple of films already, you know, five and four, which I haven't seen. You know, it's just, there's just so much good stuff out there. It's just wonderful. Shall we move on to your top three? I'm going to throw in a couple documentaries. Um, they Shall Not Grow Old, Peter Jackson. Oh, gosh, um, yes, yes. I'm with you got it. Yes. Absolutely fluid. And I mean, it feels like you're watching almost a modern documentary. The, the only difference is the choice for their coloring makes it look and, you know, feel like it's from the era. Yes. It it did. It was. I have seen this, and it, and it really, really shocked me. Really shocked me, because it turns World War One, or it brings it as immediate as Vietnam. You know, and you see yeah. all you see all these young men, and the fun they're having, and you're thinking, this is a stupid war for ridiculous reasons for a bunch of old men to keep their yes. Their yeah. sense of um, <clears throat> purpose. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's imperial nonsense at the height of you know imperial powers in Europe. It's just it is an absolute tragedy to watch. Yeah, but Peter Jackson, yeah, fantastic piece of work he did on this. The sound, the Foley artists must have worked their hearts out to get everything <laughs> to work correctly because the sound was that. incredible. Yeah, I've seen some of the footage they did. They're doing all kinds of stuff to try to get the the sound of these things. That they obviously, you know, they couldn't have gotten from the the footage because it didn't come with sound. Yeah, and they got guys who could read lips so they could figure out what people were saying. And they had these, you know, little voiceovers, and everything just goes in perfect. It's flawless and beautiful. And it's not your typical documentary. You know, you don't get the the talking heads, as it were. No, you get just voiceover from the guys that were there. The thing that got me was trench foot, this terrible fungal infection that these guys would get. And I thought, I always thought trench foot was just a, like a, almost like a metaphor for, you know, soggy feet, but it was a killer. Yeah. It was a killer. They would lose legs and all sorts. It was horrible. But it, yeah. yeah, and that's the, the fact that it all comes to life and it, it puts it straight in your face and you can't ignore it. It's just, yes, a wonderful piece of work. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the best things ever to come out about World War One. That was number three. What have we got for number two? Another documentary, Apollo oh. 11. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. You just, yes, uh, this was high on my list as well. I just, you know, you know the story, so why is it so tense? <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know they got back. I know they got to the moon. Why is it so tense? Why is my heart pounding? Yeah. It's, it was incredible. Edited like a feature film. Yes. You're just getting the voiceover and you're seeing everything as it's happening. Even, and the music is intense and it's driving. When the liftoff hit, you know, I felt like I was, I, you know, I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah, I wished I'd seen this in IMAX. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. one of those times where you think, yeah, but I saw it in a small art house cinema, but, but even then it was, you know, the chairs were rocking and it was just incredible. The uh, sound design on top of everything was also just absolutely spectacular. I mean, lots of the, the footage I'd never seen before, although I've been a big mm -hmm. space nut since I was eight or nine. 
Um, I'd never seen half of the uh, half of the stuff they'd got access to. It was just brilliant, and it was a fabulous celebration of the centenary. They upscaled all the visuals. I mean, they they turned you know this this footage from back then into 4K. It's all on good quality film. That's the point. They they could actually scan the living daylights out of this stuff. So yes, wonderful, wonderful technical achievement as well. Yeah, I didn't realize just how many shots that they had of you know the the parts detaching and you know you could see the planet and all this. It was an incredible experience for me. And I was almost alone in the theater. There was one other person that was, you know, in the very back, and I'm on the second row. Oh, wow. Okay. So right in your face. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't IMAX, but it was a pretty decent-sized screen, and it was right there. We really should praise the people who did all the sound on it, because the sound was incredible, Uh, especially the launch was just phenomenal. Yeah. I don't think I can ever get enough of watching rockets be launched into space. No, no. <laughs> or or with, or with Elon Musk, rockets returning to Earth. That still gives me yeah. a huge thrill when that thing's land. Right, so I've lost my place now. Was that three or two? That was two. Two, right. Okay, that's brilliant. Um, okay, big drum roll. We're on to number one. What was your top film of 2019. Uh, this is one I don't think you'll agree with, but it was, uh, it's Ad Astra oh. so far. <laughs> oh, good grief. Okay. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. I've had loads of people email me and text me and say, no, it's brilliant, Graham. I don't know what you're talking about, but it just did not work for me. But that's the benefit of film, isn't it? Yeah, It's art yeah. and everybody appreciates art in their own way. So... Why did I think you... it all depends on uh, what what you look for in the in the narrative. As the film goes on, it becomes less and less a, a scientific space journey, as it were, and more of a you know metaphorical, surreal story. Comes a search for for his own um, his own mm-hmm. understanding of his father, which reflects why he can't connect to people. Yeah, and you see, I had exactly the 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 opposite. I was so mad at all the poor science that by the time it got it got to the crucial moment i didn't care anymore i just wanted it to stop well some of the articles i've read like they were they were saying that oh the the technology doesn't go far enough like it still looks like stuff that we use currently but then the same article they were also complaining that like well they it's like we don't have that in space so that that doesn't that's not realistic (laughs) <laughs> yeah, true. Yes. So they're making the same argument and defeating themselves. Yeah. I mean, and ultimately, it's a, it's a fictionalized account of space. Not everything is going to be scientifically accurate. And then there are things that it's in the future. So they could be 3D printing food and not even need supplies, you know? Yeah. But did you think did you think it was really uh, apocalypse now in space, that sort of going on a journey of self-discovery? I don't think Gray was trying to direct Apocalypse Now in space. I think he, he went back to Into the Heart of Darkness. Oh, yes. Right, yes. And uh, reworked it from the, the original source. Yeah. It really does become, it's almost a religious journey. Yeah. The idea of the, uh, the old man needing to, to die, as it were, so that the new man can, can come out can be born at the end of the film 
when he goes and rescues his father, you know, there's the idea that he's, he's trying to bring him back. And his father realizes that if he goes with him, you know, he'll forever be tied down to him, essentially. And, and literally, it's, they're, they're, they're tied together yes. in the film. And so you get the sense that um, he needs to let his father go in order for his own person to come out. This, this new man that is able to, to move beyond him. It's a fundamentally religious idea in, in the Christian one. Okay, and so there's also a lot of other nods to faith in the film that I found interesting. Yeah, and I and I suppose for somebody um, who is religious, um, the metaphors resonate much more strongly. If you if you if it's echoing back some of your own thoughts and beliefs, then the the full message gets through to you. Whereas poor, yeah. <laughs> poor old B, by the time all the science had <laughs> been thrown out the window, I was just raging against everything. Yeah. There are some really interesting things like how to deal with prolonged journeys and weightlessness where you don't have like a spinning centrifuge type capsule. So, you know, they have the things that stimulate the muscles, the patches and, you know, feeding tubes instead of eating meals. Uh, I thought there were a lot of really cool concepts being introduced and space pirates, moon pirates. I'm all for that. Moon pirates. I want more. I want more. More moon pirates. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that no, that just drove me mad as well. Yes, and I think the thing was there was there didn't seem to be much explanation for why and you know what the people were doing on the moon and why they turned to piracy and those sorts of things. Uh, you know, okay, I'll I'll just put it down to maybe I need to go back in a few years and watch it again and watch it from a very very oblique angle rather than coming yeah. at it. We, you know, with a calculator. Yeah. yeah the, the film wasn't interested in, in explaining anything that you see. It just expects you to kind of, it's there and it exists. You don't need to understand the underlying reasons, you know, why <laughs> there are pirates attacking people on the moon. You're just supposed to be, you know that, well, pirates are, are on the moon. Okay. It's a, you a don't film. Need to understand why there's a Norwegian space station up in the asteroid belt experimenting with baboons yeah exactly the uh the baboons and all that there it it harkens back to into the heart of darkness the africa yeah um again a man uh, fighting against his baser nature you know the 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 animal nature inside him however yeah heart of darkness is a great book but it has been thoroughly panned as racist and but then again it was written in the 1800s, what, what are you going to do? Yeah. The heart of Darkness or Ad Astra, as you call it. Yeah, that's um, that's your number uh, one. Again, the, my theatrical experience is what really kind of entrenched it in. And, uh, you know, I've been having <laughs> vivid space dreams from, for a week. Oh, wow. Uh, no. Before the film. I mean, I was anticipating it so much. And I was actually having dreams of like being, you know, jettisoned out in the vacuum and, you know, that claustrophobic feeling of being inside of a space shuttle and not being able to get out. And so they weren't all good dreams. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then I'm, you know, you're in the film and it's a, it's a, it's a very narrowly focused movie. And I'm sitting in the theater. I'm in the second row. There's everyone's behind me. No one's beside me or in front of me. I feel like I'm by myself, you know, I'm by myself. I'm in the mind of Brad Pitt's character. You're experiencing all of it 
with him. And it just made the experience very, very tangible and real for me. Okay, right. I've I've held you too long. Um, thank you very much for an amazing top five and a challenging number one as well. Well, challenging for me anyway, but uh, not for you. Yeah. So um, talking to you again in January, I think, aren't we? We're going back to talk about... Oh yes, we can't. We can't even mention that. Yes, we got something yeah. planned for January. So there's Things another. There's another tease for our listeners. Okay, so thank you very much, Elijah, for an excellent top five, and I'll talk to you in the new year. Happy New Year! Yeah, happy New Year to you as well. Thank you, Elijah, and I look forward to much, much more ahead. I know we have a busy January of recording planned. Jeff, back over to you for our next contributor. Lucy has been with the show for over a year now, and we've been able to catch up with her in person a couple of times this year. She is always a delight and has some wonderfully outspoken views on films. What, I wonder, is in her top ten this year? Vice, perhaps? And welcome to Lucy. One of our very regular contributors always has interest in views and ideas on films, and I can't wait to hear what she's got to say. Hi, Lucy. How are you doing? Hi, thank you for the kind words. I hope I don't disappoint. <laughs> yeah, you never disappoint, never dis- Lucy. Never oh, disappoint. <laughs> Before we go to the good, let's look at the bad. What's been the biggest disappointment connected to cinema for you this year? I know you told me that I could say something that wasn't a film, so I'm going to. Disclaimer, I'm not trying to say this has happened everywhere because obviously I, I can only go up to the cinema in, in you know my, my town. But I think, you know, audience members are getting ruder these days because every single screening I've been in, there's been people talking or on their phone or just generally disruptive or coming in late. And it's been like literally every single screening that wasn't a press screening. Wow. It's been really, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. So that sucks. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I've just been getting bad audiences or maybe I've just, just the area that I go to the cinema in, but it's just really let me down, you know. I took Josh to see Knives Out recently and I'd already seen it. These people behind us were doing like a running commentary of the whole thing and I was just like... Shut oh, up! God, yeah. <laughs> very disappointing. We wow. we unleash the Neil. We let him loose on them, and uh, <laughs> he, we have to calm him down occasionally. Because you had problems like this at the London Film Festival, didn't you? Yes, I did in one of the public screenings, but the ah, press right. one absolutely fine. Yeah, this is what I mean. I feel like obviously with industry professionals, it's pretty much a given that they're going to shut up and listen because you know it's their job. <laughs> yeah, but. I just really wish that general audiences would also show the same courtesy. And I'm, you know, I'm not tarring them all with the same brush at all. It's just, sadly for me, I have noticed it's been a trend of people that just come at the cinema just to doss about. And it's like, you know, you're there for a reason. And, you know, you wouldn't talk in the theatre and you wouldn't talk, you know, in that kind of situation. So why would you do it? In a film theatre, it's no different to a live performance. You're still watching something with an audience. So I guess it was, just, it was really upsetting because... I like to be in the zone. I like to, you know, take things in and, and really listen and really get involved. And you can't when people are like whispering or on their phone. And I know you guys wear glasses, so you know, like when the phone light is glaring on your glasses, there's like nothing worse because that's such yeah. a distraction. Oh God, yeah. It, it just, it's been so annoying for me because it's it's a small like amount of people that are ruining it for the masses, I think. And I have had a go at people before in the past and a lot of them have just ignored me and, you know, Usher said not do anything in my local but. Yeah, a shame. <laughs> That's shocking. That is, um, and we've been yeah. very lucky. Well, well I've the been phone, very the lucky. The phone thing is the, the one thing. The phone is the worst, one. yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that lights up like a torch, yeah. you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only thing with that is 
we just let the ushers know we think somebody's filming. <laughs> uh, that's a good one, actually. I should, start, I should start doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so I think somebody's in their film and just check out, you know, they're on their phone filming the screen. That'll get them. <laughs> They'll have them. Yeah. Okay. I certainly agree with you. I think you do as well. Yeah, Graham. Oh God, that's that's not good at all. The thing about going to the cinema is you don't have your phone on. So if I'm mm. sitting watching something at mm. home and I'm trying to concentrate, my phone will go. And because I'm at home, I'll have to bloody answer it. And the mm-hmm. thing I really like about the cinema is it's guaranteed concentration. You're there for a couple of hours, you're going to concentrate mm-hmm. on it and you get the full effect. Yeah, and it's like you said, you get in the zone and you're totally in the film and then somebody lights their phone up and it just takes you out of it immediately. It's shocking. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree. So let's go from the bad to the good and let's talk about your top five. In reverse order then, what's your number five? <laughs> number five is a really big surprise for me because I didn't think I'd enjoy this because I don't like wrestling, but I've put fighting with my family is my number five. Great film. Um, it's great I really film. enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. I honestly had no clue about who she was or anything really you know my knowledge of wrestling is appalling but it was just it was such a good like sort of family film you know like success story like sort of rags to riches like it was just so wonderfully captivating and you know I just this was basically Florence Pugh's like kind of standout performance of of the year for me I know I saw Midsummer, but I just thought she was so much better in this I would agree and uh, that and TV's Little Drummer Girl I thought she was good in as well but fighting with my family one of the things I like about it is she's almost unrecognisable in every film she's in yeah she is going she's going to be huge she has that range definitely loved Midsummer, and I thought she was great in that but there was just something about this just the way she just dominated the screen and just was so cool and I think as someone not to get too deep or personal but someone who was always kind of being a little bit like gothy in school and not really like considered cool you know I kind of I kind of saw myself in her a little bit because people would look at me the way they look at her it's nice to see her just being her authentic self and that that was really cool to see and what's interesting with that is that when she's in America she thinks that the women are, uh, are mocking her but when they come together on terms and they work as a team, everything changes and it just accelerates and lifts to another level, I think. Yeah, great exactly. film. Exactly. Great yeah. film. Yeah. And The Rock is just so good in that film. He's only in it for <laughs> 10 minutes, but he just eats the scenery completely. Yeah. He's very good at like taking the mick out of himself. And I, I, you know, I respect that. <laughs> I think it's cool how, how he comes across in that film. We were saying the other day, He's a an actor who just works his socks off. He's really oh, yeah. working hard. There doesn't seem to be any sort of, oh, look at me, aren't I wonderful, massive ego stuff. He's just really genuine and just, he's just funny. He can be intimidating. He's great. Just great action hero. But I think on that ego thing, what's interesting is it's written and directed by Stephen Merchant. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you've got the office guys going in two different directions. You've got Merchant who everybody likes and everybody wants to work with. And as you say, you know, he gets Dwayne Johnson into this film. And Ricky Gervais has got this arrogance about him. Now, whether that's part of the personality he's created, but it does seem to be. I mean, he's doing the Golden Globes again next year, and he'll just be more arrogant than ever, I think. I like him in the Golden Globes, i got to admit. He (laughs) really, really does take people apart of that, and it's just great fun. The thing is with uh, Ricky Gervais is that when he's good, he's very good. So I feel like when he was in the show on Netflix called Afterlife, and it was actually about, you know, a man losing his wife and kind of coming to terms with that, that was brilliant. And I'm just kind of like, why can't you always be this good? And it's great when somebody does something that you 
because I'm not really his biggest fan, I must admit, but I really got into that, and I'm just like, oh, Ricky, why can't you do that all the time? Worth seeing. I've not seen that show. It's brilliant, yeah. It's very, very dark humour, I think it was right up your street. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> it was yeah. up mine, too. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant, and it, you know, some really genuinely emotional moments, some genuinely laugh-out-loud moments. It's wonderful. I don't want to ruin anything, but it's, it's really, really okay, good. Okay, I'll definitely check that out. Well, this is a good start. Let's go to number four. Funny you should mention uh, Stephen Merchant, actually, because he's in the next one. Uh, Jojo Rabbit. I'm cheating a little bit because I saw this at the film festival. <laughs> no, and, and I think you should. I mean, we've had this discussion with a number of contributors who've been watching the Cine World Unlimited. And my argument on this is, you know, if I'd been in America in November, I could have watched A Beautiful Day in the Neighbourhood and it would have yeah. been a release of the year. So I don't see any problem with this whatsoever. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing about this because I'm looking yeah. forward to this film. I'm oh. really looking forward to this, yeah. It's hilarious. It is so funny. and It is one of the best political satires I've seen personally. Just brilliant. The lead actor, Roman Griffin Davis, he's wonderful. His first film as well. Just judging by the trailers, I'm like, no way is this your first film. He's going to go far in the same way that Florence is, I reckon. He is so brilliant. And, you know, to deal with such a serious subject matter because, yes, it's it's funny, it's, it's satirical, we all have a bit of a laugh about stupid Nazis, but it's a very, very serious topic for a young child to, you know, dive into. And he does a brilliant job of it. Has equal parts emotion as much as there's serious stuff as well. One scene, I basically burst into tears <laughs> in the middle of the cinema. I think a lot of people did. And it's just, it really balances the seriousness of what was going on with joking about a, um, a little child and how he's been manipulated and wanting to join Hitler's army. And I just think it's so beautifully done. It's going to cause a lot of controversy. I can see that because I don't think a lot of people saw it as funny as I did. Overall, critics are liking it, and I did too. Who'd yeah. have thought right wing parties manipulating people through the media? Never happened, never happened again. Good job that ended in the 40s, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, so, so, I mean, his films are really interesting. You've got films mm-hmm. like Out of the Shadows, which I only just saw for the first great time the other film. day. It was great. Hunt for the Wilder People, which is fantastic. Then you've got yep. the big budget stuff as well, the Thor movies. How mm-hmm. does that sort of fit in with his credits so far? Well, the interesting thing about... Um, Tiger is that he is um, a Maori Jew, so he is Jewish. Okay. So right. wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't even know that existed. I immediately went and read up about him because I was interested to understand why he created this film in the first place. Because political satire is great, but if you have some connection to the subject matter, that's even better. So I just thought, oh, you know, I'm, I'm curious. Has he got any, you know, relatives or is he? And yes, yes, he is. Yeah, of all people to do this, I think, you know, they could have, couldn't have been a better person for the job. And he plays Hitler in it as well. Um, yes, yeah. Like an imaginary friend version of Hitler. So like a very, you know, simplified, like sort of not realistic version of Hitler that the young boy, Giorgio, sees, you know, knowing that he is Jewish makes the film even more poignant and important, in my opinion. And he's got a great cast in this film. Oh, absolutely wonderful, yeah. I mean, you've got Thomas and Mackenzie, who is the young Jew who his mother is hiding. That's not a spoiler, that's in the thriller. Yeah. And, you know, she's bloody wonderful in that as well. You've got Scarlett Johansson. I know she's been annoying people recently, but she's, she's brilliant in this. Sam Rockwell. Well, yeah. Again, he's getting stuff thrown at him because he's always playing the racist apparently but uh, I thought he was good in this personally but I can see why he's kind of being typecasted at this point and Stephen Merchant as well one of the, the captains that comes around so, yeah really, really impressive cast yeah yeah I've seen Stephen Merchant in the trailer 
first of January mm. that opens, so uh, we'll be there. Yeah. Two uh, big hitters so far then. Let's go to number mm. three. Number three is Knives Out. I love Knives Out. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. But yeah, I, I saw it in so Cape Town, actually. I missed it. No, unfortunately, I was in the States. Les said it's her film of the year. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. It was close. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I've seen it twice now. Probably the most fun I've seen Daniel Craig have in a film. Just having a blast in that film. And that, that radiated throughout, like, the, throughout the screen. You could just feel how much fun he was having. And the accent was hilarious. And, you know... And again, such an ensemble cast. Like we've had such a treat when it comes to actors this year. You know, they've really knocked it out of the park. And um, so many great cast members. You know, we've got like um, obviously I said Daniel Craig, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette. I love Tony Collette. Um, <laughs> I love this because I didn't see a lot of it coming. And even the bits that I did see coming, I thought was very clever. And the way they wrapped it up was brilliant. Like there's not a lot I can say with it being a, a big murder mystery and all, but it fooled me, and I loved it. And it was hilarious, really, really good. What I liked about it is, and again, I'm going to be very careful here not to give the game away because a lot of people said I haven't mm-hmm. seen it. You get the maid telling her story and you think, is this true? Isn't this true? Okay, then you accept part of what you're seeing. And then there's a whole other level to that as well, which I thought yeah. is, is really, really good. Here's spot on, yeah, it's really good. It's very clever. I mean, if you like Agatha Christie, it's got to be seen, basically, yeah. because it knows how to play the Agatha Christie. For me, it was slightly more style rather than substance, but it was a good film. But as I say, that was just mm-hmm. me. You clearly really enjoyed it. My wife really enjoyed it. We're going to move on only because it's just got to be careful. We don't give anything Think to this away. away. Yeah, yeah, please don't. But definitely. No, I don't want to be that person. So no, no, <laughs> no, no. So number two. Is Sean the Sheep Farmageddon. I love this. Um, and I'm not, not even ashamed to say that I cried because it's delightful. You're, you're like, not the first person to put this in your top five. Oh, this is exciting. I love animation when it's done well. And I love stop motion animation when it's done well. And Ardman consistently knock it out of the park. And I just thought that this was wonderful. And once again, the fact that there's literally no dialogue and everything makes perfect sense. It's delightful. You know, you've got you've got a language barrier. There's a literal alien in the film. Again, I don't want to give things away, but like when you find out who the alien really is and why it's there, and it oh god, it's it's so heartwarming. It's wonderful, and so much going on in in, in such a complex little film. You've got you've got the farmer and all of his you know storyline going on. You've got a storyline with the dog. Nice to see the dog getting involved a bit more. Had such a good time and cried and. <laughs> Yeah, I think in all of the, the films I'm going to mention, I've probably cried at least once, so, <laughs> which is probably a test. In my book, that's a testament to how good it is. No, I couldn't fault it. I literally gave it five stars. Like, I just thought it was the animated film of the year, like, sorry, Toy Story 4. <laughs> you know, I just thought this was so good. I just loved it. Delightful. Well, that's a high bar. If you've put it above Toy Story 4, which I thought was a masterpiece. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. It is, but this is like one level higher. <laughs> so I, I've yet to see either of the Shaun the Sheep movies, so it sounds like I need to track both of them down. The first one arguably is better, but this is still good. Oh, wow. Okay. What's wonderful about, you know, Ardman again is that they know their audience and they somehow can cater for children and adults and there's a lot of adult humour in it as well, which is great, which completely goes over the kids' heads, but me and Josh found it absolutely hilarious, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you would too. Much Brilliant. like the first, the first one, there's adult humour in it as well. And not like, you know, tasteless adult humour, but I mean like sort of references, old school TV series or things that we would have like watched when we were children. Like it's just, it's just very 
Well, yeah, the, what, what you would watch as a child, what we watched as a child. I mean, <laughs> we just about had black and white TV then. Yeah. Let's not push this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> decades that, apart. You joke about that, but it does it across generations, and that's the beauty of it. Because it's a sci-fi movie, right? So it references so much sci-fi without being like, oh, come on, another reference. You know, they, they, they've paced it well enough to make it funny and to reference things that we would have watched. You, you're definitely exciting, Graham, now. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to like watch that. <laughs> So, big reveal, what is number one? This is another cheat, but <laughs> I saw a press screening of this recently and I've sung its praises ever since, but um, Parasite is my number one. It is so good and it is wonderful. It's a South Korean film that is equal parts like mystery, equal parts drama, comedy, teeny little bit of horror sprinkled in there and has humour that transcends languages which is very smart. And if you have an interest in Korean culture, both North and South, it's a very good sort of commentary on on that as well. Unfortunately, it's embargo, so I haven't been able to review it yet, but I love it and I would recommend it. Okay. Sure. Is there anything about the plot you can reveal? A little bit, yeah. So, so basically, it's about this struggling South Korean family who, you know, do odd jobs to survive, but they're really, you know, they're, they're not really surviving. They're living in like a really crap house and they're just, they're just about getting by. And one of the character's friends is an English teacher and goes away to university and the, his friend from the, the more deprived family takes his place and becomes a teacher. And then he realises how rich the family he's working for is so he eventually gets all of his family members working for this household to get loads of money off them. But it's a lot more layered than that. And it's not just criticizing these people, it criticizes everybody involved. So the big enigma in the film is who is the parasite? Who is who is who is mooching off who in this situation? And it's very clever. It takes a lot of focus. You know, it's not a kind of film you can watch on an afternoon. You have to really pay attention, especially it's not English either. So that you know, you've got to be so immersed in it, but it's absolutely wonderful i loved it and i was really impressed and it's winning every award known to yeah. man at the minute yeah. it's gone mad on on social media yeah. i keep seeing it winning all sorts of awards right across the world so it seems to be sort of a world yeah. movie that talks to everybody oh absolutely and i think that that's the beauty of it like i say you know i think all, all the you know the humor and everything to one side it definitely can speak to many different countries in terms of what the message it's trying to, to put across and the characters are intensely likable like you really like the characters and it makes it harder for you to sort of see what they're doing is wrong it has so many layers to it you know each character is very very three-dimensional there's got a lot to them over two hours long and it, it, it flies by but you come out of it asking a lot of questions to whoever you're with or you ask yourself these questions and it, it's a film that makes you think it's not a popcorn film at all, but it, it's wonderful. Do you see it as a companion piece to something like Shoplifters? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think Shoplifters was would have been one of my films of the year for, for last year. Different stories, obviously different countries, but yes, it's very much telling that kind of story and kind of looking at groups of people that aren't necessarily represented in cinema, even in world cinema. It's uh, a classy top five, I'll give you that. That's gone right on my list. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is with Parasite, unfortunately, it's so hard for me to actually coherently explain it to you because it's that clever and it's that multi-layered. So you kind of just have to go and see it for yourself. It's one of those films. Don't say anymore. Don't say yeah, anymore. No, that, that will do. That's, that will do. That's a oh, massive yeah. tease. Yeah, okay, fine. Really great list. And thank you very much for sharing them with us.
Thank you. No, no, I'm, I'm glad you agreed because I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't ready for any arguments. So good. <laughs> no, that's right. yeah, you yeah. caught us out by seeing things we haven't seen, but the ones that we have, yeah, excellent. I do look forward to our discussions, and uh, I look forward to our discussion coming up next year when we first start talking about horror sequels. Can't wait oh, on yeah. that one. We've got a lot to say about horror sequels. Ah, absolutely. Neil will be totally silent because he'll have nothing to say <laughs> on that subject. And nor will you, Graham. No, no, sequels, no. I've got to watch the Saw movie. Is that what and Candyman. Candyman. Oh, I'd love to see Jeez you after God. watching Candyman. No, oh, God, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, have a happy new year and we will talk to you in the near future. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you, Lucy. And I look forward to more of your views on movies in the year ahead. Jeff, back over to you for our next one. Thanks, Graham. Well, you've got a family member in, so I've got to do it as well. So let's go to one of our South African listeners, Zane. Okay, let's travel for our next contributor over to Cape Town. Hello, Zane. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yourself, Jeff? Very well, thank you. Very well. You looking forward to Christmas and New Year? Oh, yes, no, it's nice down in South Africa at Cape Town at the moment. It's a little bit cool, which is quite nice for the yeah. time of the year. I can assure you it's very cool here. Very. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a quick chat then about your film going year. So if we were to do a top five of your films that you've seen, would you like to do them in a top five order? Five, four, three, two, one? Let's go with, with the best or the worst. Okay, that's, that's fine. Yeah, no, yeah I like it. It's, yep, it's different to everybody yeah, else. I, mean, I always like yeah. to be different. So let's go with number yeah, one. So number one definitely good for me is Bohemian Rhapsody. We only saw that this year. Um, th- that's definitely number one. Um, I mean, a lot of people watched it in 2018, but in South Africa, I, I actually think it only opened here either late 2018 or early 2019, funnily enough. So actually, they think that's why we watched it in 2019. But I mean, it's a great movie, great storyline, you know, struggles, this, that, the next thing, great music. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, it's won amazing awards. So everyone knows it's a really good movie. You know, maybe some people won't like it, but I think everyone we've spoken to really liked it. Yeah. It's the highest grossing biopic ever made, I think, now. Yeah. So um, it's got a huge following. Were you a big fan of Queen's music before seeing it? I always liked Queen's music. Wasn't, you know, the world's largest fan. Always liked the music. Didn't follow the story very much. But after watching the movie, you know, you kind of go and, you know, read ups on some of the ins and outs and it's a very interesting story that he had or life he lived sad loss to the music industry but you know it's one of those things yeah <laughs> life goes on what do you think of Rami Malek's performances uh, Freddie Mercury he must have spent a lot of time watching old videos of Freddie you just actually watch some of that when it came out there was so many videos on just with the two of them on stage and the mannerisms and how he just actually reenacted Quite a lot of those stage shows was, I mean, amazing. I mean, you know, he, oh, he, he won an Oscar for it, didn't he? Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. 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 There's your answer right there. I mean, you, you don't win an Oscar for just fart assing around. Well, look where he got him. He's now the villain in the next Bond film. Yeah, no, I saw that. He's like, that looks like a good, this would be quite an interesting one. He's been around acting for years, and some of the stuff he's been in has been very like uh, backwater kind of stuff and some interesting things. So, I mean, didn't he do that TV show as well, Mr. Robot? Yeah, brilliant TV yeah. show. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Absolutely love that. Very I've still good, got to yeah. watch the last series, but I was a big fan from day one. 
There's so many really good series these days. The guys that you're seeing in the big series these days are also big stars that are bridging between movies and series. So it's, yeah, quite, quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. But great choice for number one. Let's move yeah. on to number two. Uh, number two for me, I would actually quite probably go for a movie I watched recently. It was quite a bit more out there, which is Joker, the new Joker 2019. Yeah. Yep. That is really good. Just recently finished watching that. And it is one of those movies which you watch and you go, yeah, that's kind of, you just wait for your neighbor to snap. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a third contributor, Neil, and I think he has snapped. He's not here tonight. But, uh, yeah, he, he, we, we see him in the Joker role. <laughs> I just loved it because it was so unexpected. You know, I went in thinking, this is going to be a comic book movie. Here's Batman's famous villain character. And then it just goes off. And you think, hang on a minute, what the hell's going on here? And you go down this really deep and dark place. And I just thought, this is fantastic. I never saw yeah. this coming. So out of left field. And the subject matter is treated in such a bizarre way. And it's it's done from such an outside angle. I mean, it's not, not very often you get a movie that's done at that sort of level from the villain's mental state kind of backwater angle. Not you know, there's normally the the, the good guy angle. Yes. This is how I came to be the Joker, basically. Yeah, and there's no touchstone in it. There's no person no. you latch onto and go, right, here's the guy that's going to guide me through this film. Because the central character is insane. And everything yeah. that happens around him is insane. And it, yeah. it just very, very different film. I loved it. And yeah. Joachim Phoenix's performance is just stellar. I mean, you got to be slightly twisted to to get through that. But I mean, most of the jokers have always been pretty twisted. I mean, they, most of them haven't ended up too well afterwards. But hopefully, he uh, survives. I mean, he had to lose a hell of a lot of weight too. Did a damn good job. Hopefully, he gets uh, some praise for that. But you know, from, from my side, it's one of those out there crazy movies that should do very well. <laughs> And I'll be amazed if he doesn't get Oscar nominated. What I also like about the film is what's real and what's not real. I mean, Neil has said Neil can't be here tonight, but Neil has a view that none of it's real. All of it's in his head. Yeah. Oh, he could just be completely in his head lying in bed in the original you know, state in the hospital or something. Yeah. Or could have just been writing, writing it in his book. But that scene where the two cops rock up on the top of the stairs and he's like dancing down the stairs, all dressed up as the Joker with the makeup on. And they're like, we want to talk to you. And he whoop, uh, yeah, bolts down to the station. Yeah, it's just one of those where you go, you've got to be so cuckoo for you to do that. Uh, and, <laughs> and the music he's dancing to, Gary Glitter's yeah. Rock and Roll Part 2, so, you know, that takes it to another <laughs> level then. Yeah, it's like, so psycho, this is not yeah. even funny. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's great. But yeah, definitely, yeah, we rate it quite highly Very as well. highly. Very and highly. it's made a fortune. It's made an absolute fortune. It's over a billion mm -hmm. now. The highest earning superhero movie ever. Uh, 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 budget against earnings. Yeah, yeah, yeah because it's... Uh, yeah, Avengers yeah. Cost. I mean, the budget for that can't have been big. And it's not. there's no massive CGI. There's no huge yeah. stuff. It's just good acting. So let's go on to number three. It's that six underground. <laughs> oh, right. That's <laughs> brand new. Yeah, yeah brand, brand new. new. I haven't it's seen it yet. brand, brand new. I think I watched it last night, funnily enough, actually. 
it's one of those movies there's no holds barred. There's no, I don't know, have you guys seen it? No, no. so I was going to ask you, what's the basic setup of the story? I don't want to give anything away, but it's good old rich billionaire that uh, takes offense to some things that are going on in the world and decides to sort them out. And okay. the story that unfolds is about, you know, six guys that get together and they basically end bad people. <laughs> I like it. And I like it. What unfolds is kind of, you know, a mix between Deadpool, James Bond, Rainbow Six kind of things and some really heavy action scenes and when I say no holds bars it's like R-rated death it's Michael Bay for so, director so it'll be lots of yeah. explosions yeah heavy explosions heavy car chases and things like that and you know I think even with Michael Bay he's probably wanted to do you know something other than Transformers for a few years <laughs> oh I wish you uh, would yeah we've all wished that <laughs> yeah so I think you'll enjoy this movie because it's got his his hand in it and then I think there's some heavy-handed Mr. Deadpool himself in it, too. <laughs> oh, right. Yep. Just check that so one out, then. Right, that's on my list now, then, to yep. watch. That's that. Definitely. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to number four. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Because oh, yeah. Tarantino, you can never, never let out there. And that this movie is just one of those stereotypical Quentin Tarantino movies where you just what actually is going on here and I mean at one point I was like Charlie it must be Manson and gets down to those those psycho hippies running around trying to kill people in the end and then just um, whipping out a freaking flamethrower and it was one of those movies where you look like and you actually kind of think Quentin Tarantino must have a thing against hippies yeah (laughs) He doesn't live in Stroud, full of the damn people. Yeah, He lives in L.A. There's a lot of hippies on the West Coast, yeah. What do you think of the performances? (laughs) DiCaprio against uh, Brad Pitt? I think Brad was better than DiCaprio, but I think it depends how they were actually written because I think uh, DiCaprio was probably overwritten purposefully to be like a stereotypical like pre-Madonna actor Whereas Brad was meant to be this, you know, schwami kind of hardcore yeah. pro actor, but stuntman kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so that prima donna esque actor versus the stuntman who's, you know, been, you know, cleaning up his boss's messes for years. The, the actual whole movie cinematography and everything else was was really good, but the backstory I didn't think was great, <laughs> but it was still a good movie. Yeah, I think it, I think it's interesting because certainly for for Graham and I, you know, we grew up at that time around about the same age as Quentin yeah. Tarantino, and the TV shows he was talking about, particularly the TV westerns, were all things mm. we grew up with in the UK. So you had this instant nostalgia kicking into this film yeah. that people who were a lot younger than us, like you, Zane, wouldn't have yeah. that. You wouldn't come across these shows. So that that was just you know real nostalgia and advertising films like McKenna's Gold and The Silencers yeah. where Sharon Tate was in again just a real <laughs> memory blast when they go to the Playboy Mansion and Jose Feliciano is playing and they're dancing around with Mama Cass and all of these people from our childhood it was absolutely it was a real trip down memory lane for us but okay so my last one so Which number five, yep. number, number five? five for the good old, you know, fun. You know, I love, I love Keanu Reeves. Was John Wick Chapter Three? 
good old running around shooting baddies. <laughs> Did, have you seen the first two as well? Yeah, yeah, I've seen all of them. I loved it. I loved it. Jeff wasn't so impressed, but I, I just like that. I just thought it was great fun. I mean, it's it, you just take your brain out, put it down beside you, and just enjoy the yeah. the madness of it. It's just great fun. No, totally. One of those good old Scorpskit Dorna movies. And I mean, Keanu Reeves, that dude must, I think he's like 60 now or something. No, he's not 60. I think he's 55, 67. Well, well, however old he is. I mean, he's been doing action movies since I was like a kid. And he just still still got it. Yeah, yeah. And this he's got next year. He's got another Bill and Ted coming out as well. Yeah. Well, there's another Matrix coming out. Oh, yes. Yeah, so yeah, he's doing that, yeah. I don't know how that's going to go, but it could and, be quite interesting. And another John Wick. Yeah, and then here, yeah, and another John Wick. So, and then, then just honourable mentions, I think, would be quite funny this year. Was I don't know, did you guys watch Murder Mystery? That's a funny, good old funny, funny movie. No, not so that also one. A net, a net, it was also a Netflix movie, and It's Chapter 2. I don't know. Yeah, I saw it. Well, right. So, Zane, what you got to realise here is I work with two guys that are terrified of horror movies and won't watch them. <laughs> Neil, who I once convinced to watch a horror film, had to sleep with the light on that night, so they won't watch Shame. anything. So, um, no, so they haven't seen it. So you it should make him two. watch the first ever It movie. That, that was a really good shaker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I said The Descent. The Descent is a great place Ooh, to start yes, for yes. horror movies. You're If you never want to sleep again... Is um what is it? Uh, space clowns. Oh, killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, killer clowns from outer space. That's yeah, it. that's quite good. Go watch that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> you never want to sleep again. <laughs> but no, it, it chapter two. Personally, I preferred the first one. I thought the character build up and that was good. But this had some great moments. Yeah. And the most interesting thing about it for me was that scene with the little girl underneath the bleachers in the game they were watching, which wasn't in oh, the book. Yeah. yeah, that was done for the film. I thought that was, you know, because you saw Pennywise interacting yeah. there in a way you don't yeah. see him do elsewhere in the film. What, what was your take on it? What really appealed to you on it? So I've always liked the very, very first it. That was always good. The, the, the first one in this new remake kind of of it was better than this one. Yeah, this one was a bit kind of slap together, cool sequel, finish it off, you know, make some bucks kind of thing. Yeah, but it was still good. The, the whole end kind of you know pulled up where Pennywise turns into that giant spider running around trying to like slam them to death is a bit kind of like if you really wanted to squash them, you would have done it half an hour ago. Yeah, but that kind of thing is you know if you're going to go completely overboard, just do us a favor and just kill them all and let Pennywise come back in another twenty six years and you're going to have another movie. But that's where you get that like overacted, over monstered, <laughs> unbelievable stuff. Yeah. yeah, like unbelievable stuff. If you just had you know that deep, dark, sick, crazy you know mirror eating your face um, with the brain that that head that came off that body out of the fridge. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, trying to get them stuff. to watch them. Saying you're not really selling uh, this to them. You're not helping. <laughs> Well, you are helping them. You're not helping me because yeah. I'll never get them to watch them with that description. <laughs> and somebody's got to clean up after them then. Yeah, that's and, the problem. Uh, <laughs> and a bucket. <laughs> We'd need to be sat on the bucket. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> but no, it, 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 it was good. And horror this year has been a very interesting. I mean, you've had a number of Stephen King's. You've had it Chapter 2, Doctor Sleep. Netflix has yeah. done a couple. There's another Stephen Ooh. King film just been announced today. Jerusalem's Lot. Jerusalem's Lot. Yeah, that's another one. So I've read that short story. It's the very first story in the Night Shift Book of Tales. And I've it, read that. Yeah, oh, and it's Jerusalem's the one set lot. in about the 1800s. Basically, yep. it's the birth of Salem's Lot, that story. So it would be All good right. to see how they do it. But no, no, it, okay. it chapter two. And that guy that played the clown, Stalingrad, uh, I, I thought was just amazing. Yeah, no, no, he's, you, you've got to be special. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, appreciate how late it is in your time compared to ours although a lot warmer. So Zane, really appreciate talking to you on this and thank you very much for your top five. Thank you. No, it's a pleasure, guys. Thanks, thank thanks for thinking of me and uh, thank you for letting me give you my oh, five no, cents no. worth. Happy New Year awesome. to you as well. Thank you. You guys too. Thanks very much. Thanks, Zane. Really appreciate your time and your views. We'll finish up with a sneak peek. Recently, I interviewed sound engineer Ashley Murray when he was in South Africa. That interview is coming up. Meanwhile, here are Ashley's top picks of the films he watched in 2019. Listen carefully. The first one is definitely on Graham's list. So if you had to say for our end of year show, this would be, I'm sorry it's on you, four or five this year that impressed you, what would you be? Uh, Movies, sure. Um... I really enjoyed Angel Has Fallen. It's that new one of Gerald Butler. Gerard Butler, yeah. Yeah, our Graham is a huge Gerard Butler fan. Oh, is it? Yeah. Uh, I, I liked it, and I thought uh, it, it was very well done. Great end to the series, but yeah. There was a movie as well called... So I'm just trying to find my movie folder here so I can see what I've actually watched. Um... Gemini Man with um, Will Smith. Yeah, I haven't seen that. And they're shown it in the high frame ratio as well down here. And I really, really enjoyed that. It was different. Okay, Black Panther was last year, but that was a really, really great film. Yeah. Glass was good. It yes. was a very strange story, but the way it all came together yeah. at the end was really, really good. I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, some good twists in Glass as well. Hated Joker. Yeah? I thought that was a bunch of bollocks. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. Um, Have you seen Rocket Man yet? No, I haven't. I've yeah. still got to get around to that. Yeah, but Bohemian Rhapsody, absolutely. Well deserved Oscar win as well, I thought. Yes. See John Wick Chapter 3 on there? Yeah, I think that was the only John Wick I've ever watched, but that was good. Um, I definitely think Keanu Reeves is on his side by day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, the, the, a lot of the fight scenes you could see were very rehearsed. Yeah. Um, and even on their film, I showed my wife fighting with my family. Have you had a chance to see that? <laughs> that was funny. It was really that was good. funny. Um, great pure British humour. Yes. yes. Yeah. Very much British humour. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy a lot of movies uh, from various yeah. genres. You know, the Marvels are always good. It's just, uh, for me, I suppose it depends what, what mood I'm in. Yeah. Um, you know, do I want to laugh? Do I want to cry? Do I want to. See in action. Um, Outlaw King, as always, good. Also, last. I haven't seen that. You you have good things about that. Yeah, those um, medieval type movies, if they're done well, it really is a good treat to sit down and watch. Brilliant. 
skin, very good. What's um, that about? I don't know that one. Based on um, white supremacy, almost like American History X, where guys in this white supremacy group and gang, if you want to call it that, uh, gets into trouble and then just one day wakes up and decides, you know what, screw this. I don't want to be involved in this. It's actually not who I am anymore. Yeah. I have a family. It's affecting my family. Turns his life around with challenges, obviously coming from the white supremacist group. And then starts working with this black guy who had been on his case about turning around, trying to get information so that he could take to the cops and the FBI. And they still work together to this day. It's actually a true story. Oh, right. Um, oh, oh, watch out for that one. And they work together trying to get these young kids out of this white supremacist gang back into society. Because it's hard for them, because the white supremacists, a lot of them, are tattooed head to toe with the swatch stickers and stuff like that. And this particular guy actually spent, I think, a year going through laser removal uh, treatments on his tattoos. That must have been painful. Yeah, and if you see some of the pictures on uh, Google, about laser tattoo removals that have gone wrong, um, you'll have blisters the size of your fist. So it can be very painful, and I'm sure he went through a hell of a lot of pain. But he did it for a reason, and he's paying back to his community that he once destroyed, and he's paying it forward, so... That's brilliant, right. That high up on my list to watch, so that's skin. Yeah, it's skin, yeah. Fantastic, right. Thank you very much for that, and have a happy new year. Thank you, you too, and a Merry Christmas. Cheers. Thanks, Ashley. And I look forward to getting the listener feedback when we put out the rest of your interview. I know it's going to be good. Well, that's it. That's the second part of our mega show for 2019's top films. Hang on. What about our top 10 list? Steady, Jeff. Steady. That's coming later in January. I can't wait. I'm sure my films are higher than Neil's. (laughs) Dream on. (laughs) Okay, that's it. It only remains for us to say... Thanks thanks for for listening. listening. Goodbye Goodbye and and Happy Happy New New Year. Year. To make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast, please subscribe to At The Flicks at our website at theflix.uk and if possible please remember to rate and review at the flicks wherever you get your podcasts you can contact the team on twitter or by email our contact details are also on our website at theflix.uk thanks for listening thanks for listening